Welcome back, Super Sleuths, to another episode of Scooby Snacks and Chats here on the Brazilian Dragon Podcast Network. Today we are talking about Scooby-Doo, Abracadabra doo My name is Felipe, and don't worry, I will never get a GPS that bullies me. And I'm not alone. I am joined by the lovely Lisa Holmes. She is someone who will always have better projections than Marlon and uh, Marlon Whirlin. Is that his last name? I don't remember his yeah. last name. But Lisa, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you very much. Excited to be talking about the Scooby-Doo movie. Yes. And just uh, not a major spoiler, but a slight spoiler for this podcast. You enjoyed it already a lot more than the last one we talked about. So I'm excited <laughs> to get your thoughts on this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was delightful. It was really, I felt happy. It was a nice, nice, delightful watch. Yeah, it was very light. Like it was very easy to watch. Uh, did you notice that the animation style was different from the last one you watched? Yes, I really noticed the animation style was different because I, you know, grew up on Scooby Doo. So, uh, so originally, I'm already used to like the very old Scooby Doo's. But yeah, the, the Loch Ness one was sort of like one step in animation, and this was it had a lot of beautiful animation. Like it was different than I associate with scooby-doo because i mainly think of those old blurry like hand-drawn 60s ones but it was really nice to watch yeah i'm gonna try to find out when they switched over to this animation style because this is very much the mystery incorporated style of animation which as a kid i hated but i think i hated it because i was so used to the traditional one and kids Mm. don't really like change do they um but i (laughs) really like this animation style and i thought it really worked and like just I think I felt like I was able to live in this world a little better than I have previously. And obviously this is, this is from February 16th, 2010. So I really appreciated like how lived in the animators made this world feel despite the fact that I don't know if this was the best Scooby-Doo movie I've seen because story-wise, I think it was a little lacking compared to other ones that I personally watched, but Mm -hmm. compared to the one we watched together last time, this is definitely a better story, I think. Yeah, the time flew by watching this one. I um, put it on just before bed and I was like, well, I I can't remember exactly how long it was, but I'm like, well, I'm not going to watch, you know, an hour and a half or whatever of this um, before bed. But then, you know, next thing I know, an hour and a half has gone by or however long it was, 80 minutes or whatever. And I was was happy. Time flew. Yeah. So you watched the whole movie in one sitting? Yeah. Or no? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I tried to do that as well yesterday and then I was getting sleepy and then I went to bed. Um, I also turned off the lights, so then when they got into that puppet room with the zombies, I was like, oh, no, I don't know if I can do this in the dark. And I'm glad I turned it off because that banshee legitimately had me jump. Um, she went from the beautiful one to the scary one. I was like, oh, no, mm-hmm. I think I did not watch this last night and fell asleep. Uh, I think I was also tired. <laughs> I slept 15 hours last night, so, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I did not work today, so that was a nice sleep-in day. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think I could have kept it up uh myself awake to finish this movie but uh had you ever seen this one before was this your first time no no i never had i never had and i and um, my sons watched i've seen a few of the modern ones through my son 
but no this one had never come across and it's strange because i really like magic i'm like harry houdini i'm interested in all that stuff so yeah it was had a lot of things i was interested in yeah no i i was really enjoying this one i haven't seen this one before but i've seen the one after it so i've definitely seen scooby-doo movies from this era it's just a question of i don't remember what uh we've seen uh compared to like i hadn't seen this one before Mm -hmm. uh so tell me about your love of magic i i'm actually very curious about that (laughs) Uh, well i it really intrigued me as a little kid i think i probably found a book about harry houdini in the library or something like that that was full of things that aren't quite true about him it was probably some history that was very heavily embellished i got a magic kit for my birthday when i was about 10 and I could never really do any of the tricks. The only trick I could do and can still do is the one where you have like a fake little container and you put a coin into it and then you put nails through the container. But because the container's got a lip in it, the coin flips up. So that's how you can do it. It's the only trick I could do out of the whole like 100 tricks in that box. Tried to do card tricks and stuff so many times, never could. And then, um, yeah, as I got older... Um, There's a website called Wild About Harry, which is all about Harry Houdini. And that's one of my, I sort of have a rotation of websites that I read before bed when I'm trying to like, they're interesting, but they don't keep me awake. They're not like really stimulating. It's not things I feel strongly about. And Wild About Harry, I've probably read through every blog post on that website um, a couple of times at least, like in the thousands of them. Yeah. Well, if it helps you fall asleep, it helps you fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Are I used to be never are able to make you fall asleep. Oh, I what well, it used to be conspiracy theories. Ooh. That used to be my like not um not because I was not because I followed them, but because I just found it really interesting how people can believe such outlandish things, like the psychology behind it. But it's it's too stimulating because my brain's like, wow, that's interesting. Why does this person think this? Oh, I wonder if this is linked to this other thing. And then I'm oh no. So it has to be something pretty pretty quiet although i go and read it quite a lot now before yeah. bed i also feel like I'm conspiracy not theories, the survivor read it so much no no we avoid that one um the conspiracy theories i feel like recently have diverged into toxic conspiracy theories and then the mm-hmm. ones so it's like you never know which one you're gonna get if you're on like conspiracy theory reddit or something yeah it's not it's not like um it's gone from like wow isn't it funny that people think this house is on the moon to being like, oh gosh, people think this horrible thing about this other group of people and it could lead to violence. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, not so... to depress everyone in the first few minutes of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but... of this podcast about the Scooby-Doo. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's this real, real things that are happening to people and it's, yeah, really horrible. It's, it's sad. Some conspiracies are legitimately awful and gross and I don't wish well on those people. <laughs> who create them. Um, but let's talk about Scooby-Doo. So uh, since your last appearance, I did look at some images from Scooby-Doo and the Samurai Sword. It's been almost a year since we recorded that podcast. And uh, this is only the second recap we've done in season two. So let me find, uh, let me share my screen quickly and show you mm-hmm. some of the images. Uh, Chrome tab, here we go. Scooby-Doo, Samurai Sword, there we go. So oh, yeah, I, the think I, I, did, has- um, I did Scooby-Doo and the Lotness Monster. Yes, yes. But um, this one is the last one that I recapped that was animated. And even like between yeah. the, like the difference yeah. is very drastic, I feel like, compared to the animation style of this one, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that's just something I wanted to show you. 
Uh, but yeah, you were here for the Loch Ness Monster. You famously gave it a 0.25 uh, because you were not allowed to give it a zero. Um, but this one, I, at the beginning, when they started talking about how the, the manor was like an Irish manor, I was like, oh my God, are we going back to the UK? Is Lisa getting her <laughs> 0.25 ready? <laughs> no, man, when they pulled up to this place, to, to the Magic Castle, I was just thinking, this, you know, this is going to be a good setting for a Scooby-Doo. There's just unimaginable secret passageways, long hallways, towers, like dark places for things to pop out of. It was a great setting. And I love that they actually had a legitimate cast of characters in this castle. Like, mm. I feel like some Scooby-Doo's, like, it's just like two people that like, mm -hmm. but they really fleshed out every single person. Except maybe Crystal. Poor Crystal deserved better. Um, she was just the object of Fred's affection. But I feel like every single person by the end of the movie had like a fleshed out arc, uh, even for these like one-off characters. Uh, mm. So I appreciate yeah, and you that. didn't, and you didn't feel bad about like it's not um, you know, often Scooby Doo ends and it turns out you know the ghost is the guy who already owns the whole town who wants to own this extra bit of the town so he can close down the orphanage. Yeah, or something. Yeah, and this you know, like, and you're like, oh, that guy. But this I was mean, everyone was just like understandable and okay. Yeah, even like Merlin, whose brother was like trying to scheme him out of like a home. Like he was like, Oh, you know what? I'm gonna forgive you and we're gonna start over. I was like, Oh, this is like one of the few movies that I feel like there wasn't an arrest at the end. That I Yeah, yeah. Merlin seemed like really remorseful. Yeah. And and he, and he even like he lost his heart like halfway through. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I, I wasn't really into it. Uh, I realized I was being a bit of a dick. So sorry, yeah. everyone. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't even, yeah. And uh, everyone, even like the guy, uh, the ice cream guy, Curdles, he also like had good intentions by the end. He wanted to buy the castle for Alma. But we'll get into it. We'll start with the recap. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So we start off with these two students who we never see again. Uh, Sherman and I don't remember uh, his girlfriend's name and I apologize for that. Let me see if I can find that out. Um, yeah, it's not up here. Um, but uh, they and oh, Trina, Trina, um, they go out and they're wa bird watching at night. And she says, you know what? I would rather be watching other things happen at night, like maybe a movie. And he says when they get attacked by the Griffin, oh, we should have watched a movie instead. And this is our opening scene. And I feel like it was weird that we never saw them again because I feel like a lot of the Scooby-Doo movies, we see the scare and they'll always come back in like some capacity, whether it's like one of the people mm. is like, oh, we saw this. Like we usually get the report, right? But yeah, today it was I didn't even piece together. I didn't piece together that they were students from the school because they seemed yeah. too old. Yeah, right. I thought they were old and like on a date. And no, I, I have to assume they were either teachers or students at the school. Because why? Else yeah, it must have been. Something to do with the school, but I never thought, I, never, I was just like, well, this is a strange opening, but I must say my opening, my viewing the opening of this was a bit ruined because I was trying to find this without paying for it. And <laughs> there was a copy on Vimeo and I started watching it and it took me a long time to get it set up on my TV. And I finally got it set up and it started playing and I think it was in Spanish. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I will reimburse you, know, you if you want. No, it's fine. And I'm yeah, yo hablo um un poco español, pero no uh uh can pero no no puedo. Oh yeah, pero uh pero no puedo mirar un uh, la 
una película uh, todos en español. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make I sense? got it. You, you got this. You said for my non-Spanish speakers or those who are listening on 2X, um, uh, Lisa said, uh, I understand a little bit of Spanish, but I cannot watch a full movie in Spanish. Yes, that is what I said. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, then so, you... so then, so then, yeah. So, and then I was like, oh, maybe this is part of the movie. <laughs> like, maybe they're in Spain or something. And so I was just like, but then I was like, oh, no, no, okay. No. I've just downloaded the wrong thing. So then I just watched it on Google Play, which I found out you can just watch through your YouTube app on your TV. So I think I'm going to be watching more things through Google Play from now on because that was very Ooh. easy. So look, look at this podcast. We got Lisa set up with a whole new setup. <laughs> for her TV, TV consumption. <laughs> we get this animated intro sequence, which I really liked. I love the way they did that, like the kind of cartoon puppetry sort of style. Um, mm -hmm. I really liked that. And I liked, I hope we get more. I was hoping for, I do miss the days when we had the Scooby-Doo uh, theme song sung by a different pop star or uh, the one with Billy Ray Cyrus lives rent free in my head. But yeah. uh, I do miss that. But we got there, we got our own intro song um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, to see them. Uh, this song was called Scooby Abracadabra Do. Uh, the EP soundtrack was released exclusively to iTunes uh, mm. six months after this came out. So uh, we got Yeah, that's songs. available online and that was um, nice. Yeah, good listen. Yeah. Nice I loved it. Listen. Um, Scooby ends up busting Mrs. Thelmar uh, who is an accountant at this uh, place and the only book she'll be keeping is the ones in prison is what the police officer said, which not a great line, but Velma gets a call from her mother mid-exposing the criminal, and she was like, I'm <laughs> mid-exposition, and she's like, oh, but you have to take this call, so she's like, Fred, take it over. I'm like, Fred? I'm like, Fred's like a himbo. Um, but uh, the uh, we, we find out that the Griffin is threatening Madeline's school, and that's what the call was about. Um, Scooby captured the ghost. Um, what did you think of this break of format that we usually get from Scooby-Doo where Velma explains everything? I really liked it. Yeah. I, I'm a big sucker for meta things, nods to the audience, breaking the third wall. And like for Scooby-Doo to do that, I was like, yes. It's sort of like, yeah, Scooby-Doo's aged with me. You know, when I was a little kid, TV didn't do this and Scooby-Doo didn't do this and I wouldn't have understood it. But now that I'm an adult, Scooby-Doo does it and I like it. So it was cool. I loved it so much, especially because we also don't have any context to what's happened in this mystery. So <laughs> yeah. it's a fun way to do that at the start of the movie where it's, the stakes aren't really high, but then at the end of the movie, we have her explain everything. So I like that little twist on it. Um, yeah. Um, so, I've got a question about Madeline. Yeah. Uh, is, am I showing my lack of Scooby-Doo knowledge that I didn't know Velma had a sister called Madeline? I didn't know that either. And maybe I okay. uh, will get... Uh, yelled at for uh not knowing this but let me look it up madeline binkley scooby-doopedia student uh she has the younger sister no she's uh, this was her first appearance anyway so let's see if oh, we cool. can find and she was in a flashback in a later one so she's not really known um madeline's istress her sister oh so apparently velma has a thing for shaggy um so that that might be a thing i don't know so yeah, yeah i didn't I know that either that, so. that's totally the um you know oh you've got four people and two of them are together so the other two should get together you know 
Like Velma yeah. and Shaggy, I love them both dearly, but I don't see. I think Velma is also not interested in men. I'll say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe. And I, I want apparently in the first live action movie, uh, it was supposed to be mm. uh, a woman that was her love interest, but they didn't go for that. So, uh, yeah, she had that random guy in the first one, and the second one she was dating Seth Green. Yeah, I heard that too, probably on this very podcast, <laughs> and I felt sad that that hadn't happened. So I would have. Would have liked to have seen that. Although I do like, I think if Velma is going to date men, the men that she dates is exactly my jive. So I do yeah. like when she, I did like both her love interests in those movies. <laughs> so okay, like, oh, we love that. This is exactly the type of boy I would want to date. Perfect for Lisa. So maybe Lisa is the straight mm -hmm. version of Velma. <laughs> <laughs> well, God, that's that's a high compliment. I'll take yes. this. Um, did you see that the GPS was being such a bully? I hated that GPS. Yeah, I thought that GPS was like Patrick Warburton at the start. <laughs> I don't know who it was. I'm going to look this up. Oh, I looked it up. It's this guy called um, Dave. Dave Adel. Yeah. Who um, is like a comedian. Uh, Quite a okay. successful comedian, I think. Yeah. He was so mean. He called Fred Scarf Boy. <laughs> Which I like that that came back throughout the movie. But it is an ascot. Fred is correct. <laughs> yeah, I really <laughs> really like that um i often don't like sort of mean humor but i didn't find this too mean i just yeah. thought it was funny like i was like laughing like so we had this awesome opening scene so i was like okay this could be good you know the animation's beautiful I'm like, well, this is great i saw matthew Lida, lillard was shaggy i was like oh this is gonna be amazing and then we had like this very funny we had the the twisted intro the gps was funny i was just like oh yes like i think this is gonna be a good movie you know my hopes were just like going up and up and up and up and they just they stayed up there was no plummet i was stoked on this one i'm so happy for you with that uh yeah i did notice this is matthew lillard's first appearance as shaggy uh he mm -hmm. voiced shaggy for a while in the animated world uh, famously did not get the call to do Scoob, and I think that wasn't something he yeah. was happy about. Uh, also, since the last... No. I think I had seen Matthew Lillard in person before I revamped Scooby-Doo, the podcast, uh, for season two. But also, I was in the same room as him. I didn't talk to him <gasps> because I was too nervous. At least I remember messaged me after that um, when I posted it on my Instagram story. Yeah, I love Scream so much. Love it. That's yeah, and but I, I think he's a, he's a good he's a very versatile, cool actor, and he seems like a cool guy and a bunch of things. So yeah, this guy's been in Scream and Scooby Doo, so he's just. Oh. I love how, in at least in the uh, live action version, he's able to bring Scooby Doo and Shaggy to life uh, with him. So like, I I'm glad they gave him this opportunity do it mm -hmm. uh we get some backstory about the O'Flannery Manor and how it used to be in Ireland. They transported it all the way over here. Um, and we meet Madeline, as well as Whirlin Merlin, Marlin Whirlit, Crystal, uh, Amos, Alma. My notes right here say Fred is horny for Crystal. Um, yeah, okay. So I wanted to talk about the um, – I was really surprised when Daphne and Fred in the first scene were being all cuddly because I guess I haven't seen many properties where they're definitely boyfriend and girlfriend. But in this one, it seemed like for sure they were boyfriend and girlfriend because they're they're like cuddling. I'm I'm not even sure about that. I just feel like they're just like 
dating, but then and like casually like hanging out and hooking up on these mysteries. But they, they did feel more dating in this one than they have previously, despite the fact that Fred is giving eyes to every single woman that isn't Alma in this movie. Yeah, even the not goat. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Not cool. Not cool, Fred. Like yeah, Fred is getting my LVP. Spoilers here at the top. Oh, same, same. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, we. <laughs> he's I... always in. Go ahead. No, go you ahead. Go. Well, I was no. just gonna say he's pretty much always in contention for my LVP because I don't really like him. But just pretty much at the start of this movie, the way he was, I was like, oh no, 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 no. It's not the way to act. And I'm sort of surprised this movie was made when it was made and they still had this this stuff in it because, I don't know, if one of my friends was doing that in real life to a woman or or to a man, I would be like, hey, hey, dude, like that's not, it's not a cool, you know, way to objectify people. Yeah, not cool, Fred. Um, Yeah. So we get, we go to the Cone Castle commercial with vegetable ice cream. Do you have thoughts on that? I have a lot of thoughts on it. They were very, very bad ice cream flavors. Very, very bad. Um, we don't really tend to have liver in New Zealand. I mean, we have livers in New Zealand. We all have livers, and all the animals here do have livers, but we don't really eat it. But um, yeah, so I think I, no- I noted down liver, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, onion. Um, yeah, and I was wondering if you could, I was sort of thinking myself, because I know savory ice cream is a thing. What would you, do you think you can make a nice one of these? Like, what is one of these? Because I do quite like Brussels sprouts. So I was wondering if you, like, leaned into the cheesiness and the, like, umami of Brussels sprouts, if that ice cream could be something. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Maybe carrot ice cream. I could see turning out successful if it was, like, a carrot cake ice cream. But Mm. I don't know. Vegetable ice cream stresses me out. Just, like, bacon ice cream would stress me out. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't like the idea of that. Um, I know you don't have kumara in America, but you have like sweet potato, and I think it's the same. Um, yeah. I think that I think that might be a nice sweet potato ice cream. That would be great, like yams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm here for that. Okay, so I think his his idea is um redeemable. Yeah, but the way it was presented in this movie, I would not like to eat it. But I think it's very transportable. I'm not sure how much of the ice cream, such like I'm not sure what the makeup is of dairy products to vegetables because I know you certainly couldn't scoop normal ice cream and then put it in a put it in a container and have it on a long long car trip and then take it out afterwards. So it must be must be some different type of ice cream going on there. Science, I don't know. I'm curious to try each each of these flavors once, just like a bite, but I don't have faith in the stability of this ice cream success. Well, it seems like it's already very successful. You, like, yeah, isn't, but I, isn't he successful? I, I think, didn't it say at one point regular like, yeah, ice he cream made too, or is he just vegetable ice cream? I think it's just vegetable. Okay, maybe he is. But maybe not. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. Well, Mr. Curdles gets a phone call from Amos, who is the groundskeeper, um, and he tells him that the griffin is back. The griffin roost is, we get some exposition about that. Uh, and we get also that Madeline loves magic in the way that Velma loves mysteries. That's some setup because there's this whole running plot that Velma doesn't think they're that much alike, but Daphne sees that they are very alike, just their passions are different. So um, 
Shaggy also, we, we go to um, dinner. There's not many students. Merlin is a great host. He's a great like presenter. Uh, and his mm-hmm. brother has the food up here. And we get this exciting pizza for Shaggy. Uh, Shaggy Shaggy's excited about his pizza. Uh, Fred even notes that there's not as many students as there are guests of honors. And they see how abandoned the castle is. Uh, mm-hmm. At that point, I would leave, like Shaggy and Scooby tried to do later. But um, <laughs> yeah. Scooby castles at night with no one there creep me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, where were we? Uh, yeah, so uh, we see that the brother is overshadowed in that moment as well, where he made the food, but Merlin gets the credit. Amos ends up spooking the students. Um, he's the o- we find out that he's the only one ever out at night, and we also get more sexual tension between Fred and Daphne. Madeline shows Scooby and Shaggy the sundial and the magic wall with all the with all the art and the um what's that word called like the carvings glyphs glyphs yes glyphs um and the glyphs of uh O'Flannery um and they uh see the history with the staff that we find later in the movie uh, and then they get chased by a griffin, uh, which the girls in the school are able to get a photo of it. And it's on the print newspaper later. And everyone is collected from the school. So that's like the big setup. Now the school is empty, no students. Um, and Velma wants to solve the mystery. So I just threw in a lot of plot points uh, from the early part of the movie. Do you want to talk about anything I mentioned? Yes, I do. Um, Amos looks like Shaggy's dad. he looks so much like shaggy's dad i I wouldn't be surprised if they used the same like animation model or something i don't know am i the only person seeing this i was just like man this looks like i kind of see it i kind of see it yeah yeah i really saw it um i was confused about if shaggy liked madeline for a long time likewise it seemed like he didn't and she had this crush on him and it was unreciprocated but then He he did I don't know. And I wondered if that was, if I sort of just had a weird take on that or if that was, if it was a bit weird. I don't know. Did you think it was a bit weird? I did think it was weird. Like I couldn't tell what the vibes were. If she was just like Velma's younger sister who had a crush on her friend, that kind of energy. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, Scooby's like, well, she likes you. And Shaggy then goes into hero mode. He also dresses up as a knight for her. So it's like weird, these mixed signals that I don't think the writers were even sure what they wanted to do with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's that's good. That's what I thought as well. Um, I oh now we missed out one of my well we haven't missed out, but I think one of my favorite parts of the movie happened in this. Um, have we got up to the part where they go into the studio with the puppets yet? No. Okay, don't worry then. I'll, I'll cover that when we get to it. So that was one of my. That I I still laugh thinking about that now. Yeah, we'll get there. Don't worry. I have a specific puppet note. On my note. <laughs> Great. Um, so yeah, the students leave. Shaggy and Scooby also get their vacation clothes on. They're ready to leave too. But um, Velma's like, no, we're staying and investigating this. Uh, Curdles tries to get the deed of the castle signed over to him because he wants to have his veggie ice cream parlor there. And Scooby and Shaggy end up eating the ice cream, which I did love in that moment. Um mm-hmm. They uh, end up learning magic. The faculty teaches magic to the mystery gang so they can learn more about like how magic works at this school. Uh, and we get this bop called Magic. Um, 
in the scene. And I really like that mm-hmm. song. That's probably the song I'm going to pick as the outro music. Um, True. So Velma ends up busting Daphne as she's practicing ballet. Uh, and do you think in hindsight, this is where Crystal, she was like taking lessons from Crystal at all in this moment or no? Um, you mean like she was trying to emulate Crystal? Or she, what do you like, mean you know in hindsight? Hand, Crystal says she had an apprentice. Uh, but like there's no oh. real ballet in the scene Daphne does at the end. No, I didn't think about that. I just, I didn't think about a timing for that. But that this whole thing of Daphne trying to change herself for Fred, I really didn't, I did not yeah. like. If anything, I, he should I, change I so, himself for her. Yeah. I so preferred how in the Scooby-Doo movie, they, um, I don't know why I said it like that, the Scooby-Doo movie. Like this is, this is all this podcast is about Scooby-Doo movies, but in the live action Scooby-Doo movie, I'll say yeah. that. Um, how... She was already like incredibly, because Daphne historically in the TV shows, uh, at least what what I watched when I was a kid, she was like the girly girl who always got kidnapped, who you know had nice hair, but then they sort of subverted that in the movie. But then this was almost like a return to it, like oh Daphne doesn't know how to do anything, she needs to make herself better so this guy likes her. And I was like oh no you don't Daphne get back to doing karate that was cool. Yeah no I really loved. Uh the way they did Daphne's character in uh, Zombie Island, the animated one, because there she was like the head of the gang. She was having, she had her own TV show. Uh, Fred was her producer, but she was in charge. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, where were we? We get to uh, Scooby and Shaggy. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, they, Velma, and uh, Daphne are having a conversation. Velma calls Madeline a nerd, which I'm like, okay, Velma. Uh, they discover the spooky room that has the photos of Alma and Curdles when they were in love. Explored <laughs> a little bit. Um, Scooby and Shaggy end up being chased by a lion with doves on it, the lion that they have there. Um, and that's a griffin uh, that looks like a griffin in the shadows, but then they end up getting chased and they find the spooky puppets. Now you wanted to talk about the spooky puppets. I just, I, I loved, I loved it so much when Shaggy had the puppet and he was like, I would have gotten away with it too. Yeah. That whole set. Man, that was funny. I, I, I might even rewatch that after this. This is so funny. That was the moment that I was also like, oh, I see the zombie puppet. This is, this might creep me out. Um, and then also we get Alma uh there and he, they play with her face and nope that's a real human <laughs> yeah I, just, I love i you know as if i think i've already said this i, I love self-referential things yeah i love when a piece can like make fun of itself and scooby-doo has got so much history and so many tropes it can do that and it doesn't overdo it it just when they pop up they really delight me is one of your favorite disney movies the emperor's new groove no, because I watched it when I was just exactly the wrong age to watch it. Okay, I think you would appreciate it on a rewatch. That's, it's that's very self-referential. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's on my list. It is okay. List. Definitely, you you and your son have to watch it sometime. I think you would mm-hmm. enjoy it. Um, <laughs> so we also see that they knock over the lights, and the fog show starts. Crystal turns it off. We find out it's Marlin's workshop. And at this moment, I was, like, struggling to think who it would even be. But I was like, okay, this might, like, I my brain picked onto this moment. Um, Alma wants them to all respect the O'Flannery Castle. She says, nope, 
uh, please stop doing like these illusions. Uh, let's learn about real magic like Theo Flannery's had. Um, but Merlin is not interested in that. Um, it's Marlin and Merlin, which is confusing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, Marlin yeah. and Merlin, Merlin. Like, what were their yeah. parents thinking? At least their stage names. Exactly, yeah. I, I'm glad that they're stage names. What would your magician stage name be? Um, Sneak Attack Lisa? I think Matt would call you that. <laughs> no, I think it would be something... It would be some entirely made-up thing. But it's so tricky because this is... Um, when you learn about the history of magic, a whole lot of it is this idea of the other. And so in the 1920s, they were like, whoa, people from Asia, they're Ooh. not real people. And oh, I saw a picture of a dragon once. So like I'm going to be the yeah. dragon Asian magician, you know, and oh. And, and like so, even like voodoo and other like all this. Yeah. All this yeah. stuff just gets like really. So there's this hor really horrible history there of magicians like co-opting um, things and even even names that um we might not think are um you know co-opted from other cultures magicians names like that if you go far back enough you know they are and it's uh, so i don't know but i i would have an entirely made up name i don't think i'd be like you know yeah you know lisa the the card magician or something i think i'd be some some totally like different puzzles i feel like uh there's an hour like logic lisa maybe i don't know <laughs> oh man the barrel of laughs come along to my logic show <laughs> listen there's math magicians out there so why not why not oh. logic magicians oh. yeah why not why because it's not fun because this should be fun, fun in life. my notes i drew a little eyes emoji next to marlin's name at this point uh i'm like okay he's a suspect <laughs> um alma yeah so we talk about how she wants them to, to respect magic uh madeline finds out that the magic staff actually lives on shadow lake not shallow lake where high school musical the music of the series campers are in right now uh shadow lake um and amos warns them about the banshee who was o'flannery's lover is the story and uh he turned her into a banshee i guess yeah, I wasn't. He brought her over from Ireland, is what Amos kind of implies. Yeah, I didn't get that she was a she was a lover. When did they? I don't know. Maybe I that. just assumed I was writing notes very quickly. Yeah, because uh, banshees are like normally associated with a specific family. Ooh. And they like they haunt that family and they make a noise. Or am I? I think I'm thinking of the right mythical thing. They make a noise when someone's about to die, and think, when someone does die, and things like that. And I was really confused because banshees are notoriously hideous. But, but um, this one was pretty. Yeah, uh, yeah. Until <laughs> so, yeah. yeah we, I didn't feel so alarmed when the banshee like became scary. Yeah, I, I thought was it was like, a ghost. I think I missed it on my first watch. I really missed that explanation. I might have zoned out for a second. That's why I need to rewatch mm -hmm. these movies twice, um, at least. Uh, so, uh, he get they warn them, the Banshee follows them through the pond, Fred falls in this manhole that's kind of like this spooky manhole, um, trap, and they unlock this monolith, and, uh, Scooby is actually trapped because it's closing, and he runs, but I'm like, Scooby-Doo, run faster, like, you had time, like, it felt like it was closing in, and he was just waiting, I was like, why is he running, like, I understand timing everything, but I was like, Scooby-Doo, you had, like, a whole minute, and you could have ran instead of like waiting till the last second 
I feel confused by this part. There's Scooby-Doo, the Scooby-Doo series is famous for people always splitting up. Yeah. But in this one, they seemed absolutely determined to all stay together, even in situations where it would have behoven them for one of them to stay apart. Like in the situation where they've run into this tomb and the wall's closing, and it's like, what if it was a dead end? Then it's actually good to have Scooby outside. And there was another time later when they were um, when they were on the bridge and the bridge is collapsing and they're like, quickly, cross the collapsing bridge. And it's like, no, I think it actually, some of you should stay over there. Yeah. <laughs> they're just lucky the way it ended up that, that having them all together worked. And it was, yeah, it's just, I don't, I can't really remember many times in this movie that they were like, okay, we're going to split up and do this. It just didn't it seem to happen it, at all. And I remember that being a big part of Scooby-Doo. And it didn't really happen naturally. Like, usually it happens like, oh, it did happen naturally. Usually it happens forced, where they're like, okay, mm. we're going to split up. But this yeah. happened naturally because Scooby went to jump for the bag at the end, cross the bridge, and then Fred, Velma, and Daphne had to actually, like, go get help. Um, whereas usually it happens like, okay, Fred is like, okay, Daphne and Velma, we're going to go here. Scooby and Shaggy do this, which also has never made sense to me. Why would you pair the two scaredy cats together? They will be too anxious to actually find clues. You need a third person with them if you're going to put them together. Um, and that's why I feel like sometimes Velma's with them. But it's never made sense. Like, also, respectfully, to my friend Scooby and Shaggy, I love them with all my heart. But they are not the brightest bulbs. So they need a Velma or a Daphne or a Fred to help clear the mysteries. Like, get hints, I, I feel like. Hmm. Yeah. I also, I understand being scared when you're seeing a, a griffin or a zombie monster, or, but you know, a hundred out of a hundred times, and it has literally been a hundred at this point, the thing has been discovered to be not actually something supernatural. Okay. Or scary. I will push back on that because I feel like there's a Scooby-Doo multiverse where in some of the Scooby-Doo movies, like the older ones, it was actually like vampires and zombies and ghosts, like oh, it's magic. Yeah. But I think this is a different part of the Scooby-Doo multiverse. So here they're always like actual humans. Okay. So Especially this is when like the they're all world. together. Those were like a lot of Scooby and Shaggy on their own mysteries. But because uh, mm. when they were early on. But I also think that there's multiple Scooby-Doo universes in this multiverse of the Scooby-Doo world. <laughs> That makes sense. Um, and then if Scooby, if Scooby and Shaggy have had these real life experiences with vampires and mummies and things like that, they're going to yeah. be his. Also, even in the live action one, Sco Scrappy Doo haunts the island, right? So, with uh, magic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, yeah, there are yeah. supernatural things in that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I just didn't want to get us flamed on Twitter. <laughs> saying that. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, uh, Fred is horny for the ghost. Um, <laughs> of course. Of course he is. Oh, my God. Oh, sorry. This is after Shaggy pulls the staff. And I did love the line that the ha hand is hanging on at the, on the staff. And Scooby helped him. And he's like, thanks for the hand, Scoob. Uh, and then he notices the hand. Um, I know Kate would have appreciated that. Uh, so I'm glad that they are still doing that kind of humor. 40 years later, 35 years later from that Boo Brothers movie. Um, the Banshee turns scary, chases them, because uh, Fred is like, oh, she's kind of hot. He didn't say that, but basically. Uh, and then she's scary. She he was definitely them. attracted to yes. the supernatural Banshee that might be trying to kill them. Yeah. Like, 
take a look at yourself, Fred. Like, why are you Fred, attracted jump in the to that sort of to that sort of you know woman? Like, she's not good for you. She's not right. Like, also, you can't have a relationship with a ghost. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not without like a very like compliant, willing psychic. Very much the case. Like, Fred, you need to talk to more psychics. Also, you have Daphne right there, who is also wearing purple like the ghost so if purple's your thing i don't know yeah i think maybe fred just doesn't like you know sometimes when people get too comfortable they they you know maybe like in fred's life script and actually this makes a lot of sense thinking about fred from various scooby-doo properties i think his life script is one where he's not happy so i think he sort of always is creating these situations of like discomfort for himself in regards to relationships with people or women, pursuing things that aren't going to lead to happiness. And from the outside, you're like, why are you doing that? But for his inner trauma, he's just like recreating a pattern. Poor Fred, but also not poor Fred because he's bringing this on himself. Um, yeah, well, I mean, he's an adult now that can, yeah. could, you know, take some choices to, you know, understand a bit more about what's they all going need on therapy. underneath the surface. Like, these are yeah. all traumatic events. They should be in therapy. <laughs> yeah, they definitely shouldn't be, like, jumping back on the horse. Because even though at the end you're like, well, it was just a puppet. Like, you know, in the moment, your body and brain did not know it was a puppet. So Y'all were even running... though you probably should have had a clue. Shaggy even, like, I love the joke because the meta commentary of, like, Scooby and Shaggy, like, when they do their runs and, like, you hear the sound and then they run and spin around. But they use that as actual propeller. And then, like, good legwork, Shaggy, uh, when he <laughs> gets them across the pond. I did mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, same. Uh, to go back to something, uh, in Scooby-Doo and the Loch Ness Monster, there was some very casual grave robbing. And in this movie as well, super casual grave robbing slash corpse desecration. We need to get we need to get the authorities on the gang. Not okay. I mean, like that could be legitimately something that people like, like people could ring up Mystery Inc. and say, "Hey, we've got this like you know five hundred year old graveyard, and people are disturbing the graves." And Mystery Inc. would be like, "Oh man, that's not okay." Like, yeah, we'll come and help. But then when they're trying to solve a mystery, all bets are off. You know. Also, imagine. See you later. Imagine like if this cultivated the mainstream to the extent like some tiktoks do where they like go and recreate it it's like we're gonna grave rob uh like and like it inspires like the next generation of kids to go do grave robberies no it's just it's so casual like it's not even addressed they're not even like oh my gosh some skeletons here or whatever they're just like yep yeah we found jackpot it's treated the same as a treasure chest would be and it's like it it's really not a treasure is. Chest. the person's coffin it's so interesting, like, the things that we never think about, like, where do they get their insurance from? Like, <laughs> all this grave robbing. The mystery gang really, like, if you examine them closely, there's some plot holes that we need. We need to discuss <laughs> some other things. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, I didn't, I didn't understand the staff. I mean, I understood why, you know, the staff can control the griffin. They want to control the griffin. They want to get the stuff. But then I didn't understand at the end when the staff did seem to control the griffin, was that just because yeah. Marlon like lost? I thought the staff was going to pop the blimp on the rewatch, but no, it was it literally just had nothing to do with it. I have no idea why. Mm. Okay, maybe, yeah. Maybe he got anxious and like 
intentionally crashed into something and popped the blimp. I don't know if that's the case, but uh, yeah, uh, I, th- like, I I got the idea that he just you know realized that it wasn't a good thing for him to be doing. Yeah, but... I thought he was gonna toss the staff up when I rewatched it, and it was gonna s- cut through the blimp, and that's how it was gonna stop. But no, that didn't mm-hmm. happen. Uh, the only yeah. time the staff actually did anything was when it was the key. Um, the oh, bridge. yeah. Okay, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Scooby, Shaggy, and Madeline end up throwing explosives at the Griffin, who comes after the Banshee disappears because they see the Banshee just go back into the pond. Uh, Shaggy grabs a rake instead of the staff. Madeline goes to grab the staff, and the Griffin uh, captures her. Um, so the gang prepares to fight for Madeline, and Shaggy dresses up as a knight in this moment. Uh, the Griff- they go to the Griffin's roost. Uh, I did like all the world building. Like they set up things throughout that all paid off later. I did like the mm-hmm. domino pieces that they laid the tracks for. I think mm-hmm. everything, this was a really well-written Scooby-Doo movie in the sense that everything that they set up ended up coming to place later on. Except for the yeah. staff, I guess. <laughs> no, but yeah, but you're right. Like using it as the key. That, that's, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um, What did the Griffin want? Like, I guess, I know. Yeah, they I know didn't it have a motive for the anything, Griffin. But like what? in this in the mythology what was the was it trying to like it didn't want people living at the castle it was trying to they like... did not really explain that yeah like maybe the griffin was like the the ghost of flannery of flannery and he was trying to reclaim the castle and then you could have like had a diversion with alma being the evil person because she wanted that as well and that could have been like a subversion but at the end it was marlin marlin oh, sorry marlin yeah yeah i don't know that's a good question yeah i i didn't yeah but it was fine i mean I, the answer is the griffin didn't have a modification uh, you know marlon was just trying to clear out the skull so that's so why this is going to be a deep cut that it was even be a deep cut to me there was this box of vhs's that we had as a kid that was saban's adventures of the little mermaid uh i don't know if you ever heard of that for whatever reason merlin reminded me of someone in that show and i can't place it um, I'll send you the Wikipedia link of this, but it was like oh, a version yeah. of the Little Mermaid, but it was like a French Jap- Japanese, uh, like co-production. Okay, I don't know why. Oh, I think um, I think my son got given. I think my dad bought my son this, thinking it was like the normal Little Mermaid. Well, you know the Disney Little Mermaid. I feel like. I have a strong sense memory, and Merlin with the long hair felt like he could have been in that character in like yeah. in that universe. I don't know why. That was just something that mm-hmm. I caught on during the scene. I wrote it in my nurse. I'm like Sabine French Little Mermaid, and then I had to Google it. I was like, why is this not coming up? And then I googled Sabine French Little Mermaid Justin because I always remembered his name for whatever reason. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, Saban. Okay. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, please let us know. Because mm-hmm. I don't think anyone has ever thought of this besides me in the last 20 years, except for maybe Lisa's dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at pictures now. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Um, Merlin definitely had this uh, sort of like leading man, hero. Merlin was kind of hot. Yeah, it reminded me a bit of Gaston. Yeah. Or, um, I don't know. Yeah, if they did watched... feel very Beauty and the Beast. Like the castle, mm. the, the energy, I felt kind of reminded me a little bit of beauty and the beast yeah um i don't know if you've seen the canterville ghost Canterville ghost. Let me Google the canterville ghost the canterville ghost is a story by oscar wilde 
it was made into a, a, a lot a lot of movies and plays and things um the best movie stars uh um oh what's her name uh neve neve campbell from scream, scream. <laughs> with uh patrick stewart from star trek the next generation as the ghost that is by far the best version but um they did a TV, BBC did a TV version recently, and I watched it. And the dad in that, he reminded me heaps of Merlin from this. Okay. Oh my God. So this one in any. Yeah, if people like Scooby Doo, uh, you will also like The Canterville Ghost, I think. Maybe the, this should be our Nail Movies episode, Lisa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it's got so many good people and so yeah. many, like, yeah, I love it. Is it spooky? Will I get stressed? Um, no, well, you know, the whole time the ghost isn't, I mean, he's a real ghost, but he's just like, is it's it really like Casper? Funny. He's like a friendly ghost. Nah, he's, he's, um, oh, you know, in Beetlejuice, when the people, when the ghosts like try and scare the people out of their house, but they're not very good at it. Yeah. He's a bit uh, like that. Okay. Um, I thought while watching this movie, I think it'd be a fun subversion if they had a Scooby-Doo movie from the perspective of the bad guy. Ooh. Like it could even be one that they've already done, but it could be like. Uh, no, I feel like that. It has to be like one of the bad ones they've already done. So it could be like a subversion of like, it was like, okay. Uh, or like just like their own Scooby-Doo, but you follow it through the lens of the guy doing the crime. But What if you do, what if you start it like, um, you know, you know, because so many of these are like, you know, right from when I was a kid, I always wanted to own this castle, but I never could. And my dad always said you couldn't, but now I can. So I've made this giant puppet to control everyone or whatever. Um, what if you did it starting right from when that guy was a kid? And Ooh. so it's a bit like um, Star Trek, uh, The Phantom Menace. It's a bit like the prequel trilogy where you start out with just this nice little kid and then all this stuff happens in his life. And then at the end of it, he's the, you find out he's, he was like the villain in the Scooby-Doo yeah. episode. Or even like if you did like an Avengers Infinity War where the gang doesn't solve the mystery, they frame the wrong person or something. Something goes wrong and they have to reunite like 10 years later and solve the mystery like and go back so like i want some subversions of scooby-doo but recently we've heard news that scooby-doo animation is not worth investing in apparently and i will not say any further things because i don't want to get <laughs> in trouble <laughs> oh right um uh, are you aware of the batgirl stuff oh uh, yeah um... it's like a scooby-doo movie was also canceled so that's that's just um anyways uh oh, canter, my ghost i will oh, write that down yeah. yeah um have you read meddling kids that novel about um sort of scooby-doo i have not but i should um okay it's not it's not about scooby-doo um so there's these teen detectives and it's it's yeah animated teen detectives who fought a crime wave in 70s america and it's it sort of takes from Scooby Doo and oh. Buffy and Nancy Drew and all this stuff, and I think okay. that's sort this of this one looks a little spooky in a little way. But because it says Lovecraftian horror, and that stuff scares me. But yeah, I definitely think I might check this one out. Um, yeah, it's, this has been on my to read list. For oh, and apparently so there's a lesbian long. couple in it, so we stand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this ooh. is. I need to. This is reminding. I'm, I've got to read this. I'm going to read it. Yeah. The Brazilian Dragon Book Club. Yes, I love it. This is the one for it because Scooby Doo. Yeah. Honestly, I've been thinking about doing a book club. It's just a pressure. I don't trust myself to be able to read the things, so I don't trust myself to put a timeline on there and follow through with it, um, (laughs) unless it's for actual like work group 
like if it's if my job is reliant like it's so much easier to just watch an hour-long movie than read a full book yeah yeah i've been getting back into reading books lately and um i mean like okay i always like read books but i sort of having a hard copy of a book on my nightstand and like reading it is something that i've got out of the habit of with podcasts and yeah and audio and everything else because i yeah. also want to read um jeanette mccurdy's book i'm glad my mom to have but i'm like what if i just listen to the audiobook so hmm. i still need to figure out what i'm going to do with that because i heard all the copies sold out so i might just get the audiobook um yeah, but that's uh, good because it can't sell out. Oh, I'll just tell yeah. you one more thing. The book I'm reading at of the course. moment is called um, "The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks," Ooh. and um, it's this really interesting true story about a um, an African American woman called Henrietta Lacks who died of a very um, aggressive tumor, and they took some of her cells, and they found out she had sort of like super cells that could. Normally human cells, if you keep them in a Petri dish or something, they die really quickly, but hers didn't. Um, and so this, so they kept them and they multiplied them and made more and made more. And now almost every lab and hospital in the entire world has these cells and they're called, um, so her name was Henrietta Lacks and they're called HeLa cells, H-E-L-A. And they're the basis for so many like vaccines and transplant things and science experiments but they got taken like without anyone's sort of knowledge or consent and the family never got really the full story on it. And it was, it's just, it's horrible. Is that hard to read in this day and age with all the vaccine things that we're going through? Or is it like, not that like, cause there's some stuff that like reminds the pandemic and I'm like, Oh, this is a little hard to watch. And uh, for whatever reason, power through like sweet tooth, that Netflix show, that was a little hard Mm -hmm. to watch because it's very pandemic related, but have you been able to like, get through this book or has it been a struggle with everything going on with the vaccine storyline in there yeah no it hasn't i haven't really thought about that side of it that much it's more just like the the suffering of the family and the just the big the way that people and their individual experiences aren't valued and weren't valued in those days when they were thinking oh but science oh but this is good for everyone so of course we're just going to take all your cells without asking like yeah. So anyway, this is yeah. such a ridiculous divergence, no, but it is the hardcover book I'm reading at the moment, and I recommend it. But this is why I love podcasting. I love the tangents that we can go on. Like, we haven't talked about Scooby-Doo for almost 10 minutes, but I've loved the conversations <laughs> we've had, which is, like, the perfect – like, I love podcasting for that reason because it's a conversation between friends and, like, talking about something that we're here to talk about, but then we can go on and get to know the podcast – the podcasters on that episode a little better we know what lisa's reading now these days um we know <laughs> about my out. adventures of the little mermaid like nostalgia that i had <laughs> yeah. um like you get to know these like little quirks of the podcasters and that's why i love mm-hmm. like tangents on podcasts um mm. but speaking of uh families having their things taken away from them curdles tries to take away this mansion from the whirlin brothers uh he shows up uh to bug uh, to get the castle from Merlin, um, but the gang tells them to hold off for an hour. I'm like, an hour? You really think you can rescue this girl in an hour? Like, that's very uh, bold of y'all to assume. Just say one more day, sleep on it. Like, that's like, so you have more time. Um, yeah, if I had Mystery Inc. on the case, I would not consider 
signing any. I wouldn't sign any contract. I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't move out of my castle. I'd just be like, oh, they've got it. This is great. It's, everything's going to be great. I'd be so confident. But even like if they weren't there, I would encourage everyone to sleep on a difficult decision like that. Mm. Like take, take the night, think about it, process it. Uh, because who knows, maybe he would wake up and choose not to sell it, even if the griffin is still attacking them. Yeah. That is something I really struggle to do, is to ask to take time to consider something. I, I have this, like, fake internal pressure that I have to <laughs> have to commit, I have to do something right then. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's very hard, but, like, you managed to get through it pretty well. Like, I know you were stressed on a television show, and it all worked out for you <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was different. I don't know. And yeah. in, in real life, if someone's a true Yeah, oh, different. You, you, for, you know. Don't want to use for the same reason, I feel like use. I feel like real life decisions are like probably distressful in a different way than the decisions you had to make there. Because like there it's like yes, it's like your dream and you're trying to make sure it continues and you do the best you can, but also at the end of the day, this is a very like simulated environment that is going to be part of your real life forever but in your real life like there's like a lot more stakes if that makes sense yeah but even if it's a low stakes thing like even yeah. at my work like someone might message and say you know oh should we make the website have this have this table rather than this table and it will be really hard for me. I just think, oh, okay, I just have to, okay, I have to decide right now. And I just want to like email them back straight away. And it's so hard for me to say, oh, yep, those are both good options. Let me let me take some time and get back to you. I just have this like fake internal clock, like, no, now nah, they have to know now. What are you doing? You don't That's deserve to take five I've been minutes. I'm in therapy, like literally, <laughs> like I have, I put this pressure on myself to like get back to people immediately or like, respond very quickly but i'm trying to take time and like process everything even if it's like a simple text like that's why i ended up getting rid of red receipts because i was feeling so much pressure to like open the message and like if they see that i had red receipts like response to them but sometimes i just want to think about what i'm going to say or it's like i'm in the middle of the work day and i can read what they say and then get back to them later but i don't have to feel pressure that they saw that i read it so that's something also i can relate to you about like feeling like I really like I stress out about a lot of things and I need to just take breaths sometimes and relax mm -hmm. a little bit but it's hard yeah. I'm an anxious person yeah I, I'm I'm like someone who just I'm like I'm like a really fast person like yeah. I talk fast I read fast I eat fast I if, when I'm at work I'm just like doing four different things at once like people are like whoa you're so efficient and it's like yeah but I is, is it is it because it's just good to do those things fast or is it because I'm like afraid of slowing down? That's very interesting because I also do things fast and I've never actually thought about why I do things fast. You know what? I'm writing this down and I'll talk to my therapist. About it. <laughs> I will send her the podcast. I'll be like, listen to this. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> Scooby-Doo podcast, changing lives. Yes. Um, so we're, we go, they go to the castle. Uh, they try to go to the Griffin's uh, roost. Banshee chases Shaggy and Scooby, but Shaggy, no, not Shaggy, Scooby trips on a wire and we see a projector uh, flash, like the Banshee stops chasing them and there's a projector and Velma takes note of that. Um, Madeline is at the Griffin roost. She's scared. They climb up the steps, which are wooden. I've never seen steps like that in my life, like where they're not connected. 
Um, uh. I'm sure they exist, but I've never actually encountered one of those. And I kind of noticed that. Uh, but, um, that looks like what you have. You see that in ruins nowadays, yeah. but it's because the other parts of the steps have fallen away. Ooh. So I think that in a normal castle building, and please, if there's any castle buildings listening, like correct me on this, because I could be entirely wrong. But I think they put out the structure like that for the steps, and then they, uh, it's like building a deck or something. Oh, my New Zealand accent probably didn't serve me there. <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> I heard it. It's like building a patio. And um, yeah, and so then you put the planks on top to make like a normal looking staircase, I think. Yeah. I've actually never thought of that. I love it. Uh, it feels very reminiscent of video games, but not real life, like anything I've ever encountered. But also I haven't been mm -hmm. to a ton of ruins. So maybe in my future, if I ever visit one, I'll notice it. Yeah, we should definitely do a ruin. Um, when you're like a multi-million, you know, when you're a multi-million dollar podcast host slash TV <laughs> producer, and I'm, a, I'm not sure what, I've been on Survivor International All-Stars with a like $4 million prize. Um, let's do a ruins tour. Yes, let's do it. I love it. <laughs> yes, you're going to be on International Survivor All-Stars and uh, you and Tess are going to be the final two again. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Oh. No. Uh, hopefully hopefully, you get to work with my friend Daniel. <laughs> yes. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. uh, we go to... Uh, so there, they, Daphne almost falls and an arm attacks them. Um, so they end up, uh, getting up there. The bridge breaks as, uh, they're fighting the Griffin. Shaggy and Scoob end up on one side, close to Madeline, while Fred, Daphne, and Velma have to go get help. Um, Shaggy and Scoob go to get Madeline, and they realize the staff is the key to the Griffin's roost. They get it, and Shaggy whips off his helmet, and his hair is flowing a little bit. Madeline gets all these heart eyes for him and it's super cute um mm. and i ship them if they are both of age <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah because like you know i said before that people who think velma and shaggy you know should be a couple i don't really see that couple working well like there's elements of it that would work just not long term and yeah. i think madeline has the the good you know the elements of velma that would work and the things that would also make her a good match for shaggy I agree. My one concern is if how old is Velma's sister? If she's a student at this school, but is it college or is it is it high school, like a boarding school for magician apprentices? And I'm like, let's just make sure she's an adult and then I support the relationship. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, we end up going to see Scooby pulls out all these different things from the backpack. They get this scarf, like a magician scarf. And Shaggy's like, this is kind of flimsy. But Madeline's like, let's go. We got to get out. So Griffin's uh, head down the scarves on the Griffin's roost. Uh, end up getting caught on his foot, the Griffin's foot. Uh, and Merlin almost signs the deed. But Velma breaks into it and is like, quickly, we have to go to the Griffin's roost. And uh, Curdles isn't going to be able to sign, get the deed signed before that. Uh, and Shaggy ends up throwing the staff up in the air, like we mentioned. It doesn't really do anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, the griffin flies chaotically uh, and it struggles to fly. It ends up crashing and we find out that it's a puppet on a blimp that Marlin generated with his fog, also with his fog machine, with the glycerol. Uh, it was a puppet that he used with animatronics. The Banshee was a projector and his backstory, his an tragic anime backstory, that's a shout out to you, Navi, um, <laughs> is 
that he wanted to become a magician as well. He knew he could be successful with all of his tricks, but Merlin needed to sell the castle so he could, he could have the money and then he could become famous. So I just dropped a lot of stuff on you, Lisa. Anything you want to hit on? Um, no, I, no, I don't think so. That was a good wrap up of the end of the thing. Um, it was only during this portion that I worked out who the villain might be. <laughs> Um, but we can talk about that in the in that part. Um, we'll yeah, definitely no, get there. That was, yeah, that was a good that was a good wrap. Up. Yeah, just a lot of action, quite exciting. Well done. Yeah, and it goes by quickly. It's not like lagging mm, in any point. Yeah, I appreciated that. Uh, we also and, find and it's out sort of that... like oh. go ahead. Well, go like ahead. it is it is just like action, but it also sort of moves the story, which I liked as well. Definitely, yeah, it, it really does, and I appreciate when productions can do that move the story, but also have the action beats be there. Uh, we also find out that Curdles uh, and Amos knew that it was Marlin. Amos was snooping around in the castle and saw him with the puppeteering, uh, with that hand that almost grabbed Daphne on the, on the steps. That was an old animatronic that he revamped with state-of-the-art material. So Amos knew and told Curdles, and Curdles wasn't scared, but he also wanted to buy the castle so he could give it to Alma. Because he loves her and he's sad that he left her. Uh, we get Merlin forgiving Marlin. Uh, and Madeline becomes an apprentice. And then we just wrap everything up. Crystal has trained Daphne as an assistant at this magic show with the two brothers that they're doing. Fred and Daphne flirt when Daphne pops into the seat Crystal was in. I'm like, okay, Fred, now you have eyes for Daphne. But you were flirting with all these other people and ghosts throughout the movie rude uh if guy's flirting also- with ghosts he's not that into you <laughs> put it on my tombstone <sighs> if they're flirting with ghosts they're not that into you uh tell me about it puppeteering uh, a scooby-doo puppet and says abracadabra do and we get the credits with the bop and then the gps is in the post-credit scene saying he needs his oil changed and go home and that's the end of the movie so lisa before we get into our segments any final thoughts um, no, I really liked the ending. The Scooby-Doo puppet made me laugh. The GPS scene made me laugh. It was such a nice way to throw back to that funny thing from the start. I, I really liked it. Love it. Uh, Lisa, do you want to get into some of our segments that we have here on the Scooby-Doo podcast? Yes, that's the funnest part about doing podcasts, doing all yes. the like little segments and things that I listen to all Love the time. It. Also, uh, did you end up bringing anything or no? It's okay if you didn't um oh no just um i just had like a couple of questions about magic sort of okay yeah okay do you want to talk about that first or do you want to do the segments first um no we can do that now yeah okay so what are your questions okay so the first one was um what would your magic word be everyone has a magic word that they like make stuff happen with what would yours be i don't know I would want it to be fun. I would want it to have a lot of consonants, like something like shabluki or something. I don't know, like something mm-hmm. fun. Like I like alakazam because there's a lot of like wines. I don't know if this makes sense. There's like wines in the in the word. It's like alakazam, abracadabra uh, mm-hmm. do. I like that. Um, I like. I need to have like fun sounds. Something fun to say that's catchy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I need to think of this for the next podcast. I am. You what? I like the. I like the two syllables, so you can be like papa, like da da, <laughs> like I like that. Like I like it to be punchy. Um, yeah. I yeah, and 
Yeah, no, I don't know for sure, but I really like it in board games when you have to say the name of the game when you win. Like, you know, you say Ooh. Uno, or if you I play the Jumanji, um, Jumanji Flux, if to win, you have to say Jumanji. And even in games where you don't have to do that, I still do it. Like, I, I really like saying Reco. Um, I think I'd like something like that. But yes, okay, good. What's I yours? I thought I'd Zigamadoo. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to be the hashtag for this episode. <laughs> Great, Zigamadoo. Zigazigga. Maybe yeah. bring up my, you know, my spy Love skills. Anyways, what else do you have on the tour on the on the agenda? Um, yep. So magicians do different types of magic. So it's like close-up magic, card magic, coin magic. And I'm wondering what if you were going to be a magician, what would you do? Would you like close-up magic, the street magic, the is there like water course? magic? I would love to like do water magic, like anything with like water-based activities. Like I love like water light shows. Oh um, yeah, that's very calming to me. So something like where I can incorporate like water and like special effects i think would be a lot of fun definitely yeah i mean like you know there's the famous uh water torture cell escape illusion you could do it a lot of escape acts in water that's a an added element of risk that people have um yeah i think you might be getting a little bit into the sort of sciencey slash yeah it feels very like also water bendery from avatar i'm trying to think you could definitely do it I remember you mentioned the kit that you had when you were younger. I had a kit mm-hmm. that uh, the one that I liked was that it was this blue uh, sort of uh, it was a cone sort of thing or like a vase that you mm-hmm. put the top over and you put a you took it off and you put a ball, a yellow ball in there. And then you put the top back on, but then uh, the ball got stuck. And I don't remember what the purpose of it. I, I, oh, you put the ball. And then you would take the ball out and then you would be like, oh, the ball's gone because the ball connected to the top. So you could like pull it out. Oh. And then it I don't know if I described that perfectly, but. No, no, you did. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, That's one that I liked. I'm trying to think. I also like, I like cards. I like any card magic, but I could never, I'm not good at like, is this your card? <laughs> like that stuff. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't like, I, I mean, I definitely want to be like a David Copperfield or, uh, you know, I, I'd want to be making the statue of liberty disappear or you're know, walking through the great wall of china like not that one because i find that one incredibly freaky but um yeah that's the sort of stuff i like i things like card tricks and coin tricks and close-up magic where you have to be spending a lot of time practicing the same things over and over or like um yeah i'd like a lot of variety it's also like a one-man show or a one-person show like you got to entertain like you can talk you can crack jokes it's like mm-hmm. you can make it a little performance as well yeah. Have you ever seen um, Darren? Chris? Oh, I'm struggling. No, I'm struggling on a second name now. He's British and he does these like things where he did one about Darren Brown. Yes, Darren Brown. He does sort of like real like mind effery. Ooh. No, um, I, I have not. Don't, I wouldn't like to do that, but it's a very different type of magic, a very innovative, different type of magic that took things that people already were doing in magic to distract your attention and things and made them into this whole other thing. No, I haven't heard of them. I, I do love when celebrities like have their obsessions, like their dorky obsessions, like Neil Patrick Harris and Will Arnett mm-hmm. both love magic. And I love yeah. how like, especially Neil Patrick Harris loves magic so much. Um, so I love- He really helped the magic castle. Yeah, like, I, I think he does. Yeah. Does he own it? If- 
No, he um he was like the got elected the head of the board of it or something, and it was in a really bad a bad way. And he really sort of helped because he liked it so much. It's a really interesting story. There's been quite a few things written about it. So it's yeah. not only not only does he like magic, he's really contributed to magic, which I think is a nice thing to be able to say for something you really like. Yeah. Um, do you have any other questions that you brought in? Um, no, no, that's all. Yeah. Is that why you went on Survivor? You wanted to help something that you really like and, make it, and elevate it? <laughs> no. no. I wanted to be part of something I really liked. That was yes. that was a big part of the reason for going. And that's why um, it didn't really matter. As much as I wanted to do well, I, if I'd got voted out like first or second, I wouldn't have had a lot of regrets because I wanted to be a part of it. And so just by doing, just by going on it and going through the audition process and everything, I achieved that goal. So, yeah, I think it's really nice to have goals that you can achieve under your own power. They're not dependent on other people. Like if you go in something with the idea of winning or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to win immunity. I'm going to win the whole game. I'm going to do a blind side. All that stuff's dependent on how other people do. But all my goals were sort of just entirely dependent on me. Yeah, that's awesome. But you still checked off a lot, or as you said, tick. <laughs> tick, tick, ticked a lot. Ticked off a lot on that bucket list. Um, mm -hmm. No, so should we get into some of our segments now? Yes, please. Let me pull up our spreadsheet. Okay. Okay, so uh, we have, so just to uh, reiterate to all our new listeners and returning listeners, we do three big things here on the Scooby Snacks and Chats podcast. We rate the movies on a scale to zero to five, actually 0 0.25 to five, as Lisa found out the hard way um, on her last appearance. We do our culprit game where we try to determine while we watch the movie uh, who ended up doing the culprit thing, but uh, who was the culprit of the movie. I noticed that Velma was on my list. I was like, wait, wait, Velma was the bad guy? And I was like, oh, okay. That was like one that she was like kind of getting one over on a scheme to get other people involved. Um, and then so we we play a game and if uh, we get points for it. And then we have our MVPs and LVPs where we go through our core six. Scrappy is not eligible this week. And we give each of them an MVP and an LVP. Um, and we average the scores and find it all out. So, Lisa, let's start with our couple game. You said you had something to say about Marlon Whirlin. Yep. So I... I figured the ice cream, uh, Mr. Cutler, Kurtler, Cutler, Cutler. Um, I figured he was involved, but I couldn't work out how right from the start. But then, um, because everyone else seemed nice and supportive, and I couldn't understand why they'd, they'd be a villain. But then as soon as the Scooby tripped on the cord and the Banshee disappeared, like electronically, I was like, oh, oh okay, it's Marlon. Oh, and I felt sad because Marlon was like, I really liked Marlon. Yeah. But that do was the count, only time I realized. Do you count uh, Amos and uh, Mr. Uh, what's his name? What's his name? Oh my God. Um, Kurtless, I think. Kurtles, yes. Kurtles, C U R T L. -S. I had it in my notes, but then I was like, why is he Mr. Conecastle here in my notes? And that's before I wrote down his name. So, oh my God. Apologies about that. Uh, do you count Amos and Mr. Kurtles as part of the, the scheme at all or no? Um, I, I wouldn't because they knew about it, but like they, in real life, yes, I would say, Hey, why didn't you, you knew something. Why didn't you say something? Everyone has the, you know, the responsibility to stand up, but, um, no, for this game, I wouldn't, but up to you. No, I see. I didn't either. 
Um, because I felt like not to not to applaud the people who do shady things in this franchise, but it takes a lot of hard work for what Marlon did, and they did nothing of that work. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so who was your final guest? Remind me one more time. Um, it, yeah. So Marlon, but not until right. Ah, okay. You know, like three quarters of the way through. Okay, but you got it when he was in the Griffin Roost, still, or when he was like the like when he wasn't there um when when the banshee disappeared ah okay perfect yes that's kind of when i was like okay i think marlin that's when i felt like 90 percent sure and then by the time mm-hmm. they were like running up the bridge i was like okay uh when he get the tripwire i was like oh 100 it's marlin um yeah so uh just to remind everyone uh, we previously had regular co-hosts and now we just do me and and then my guest co-host so we took the original scores that my previous co-host Kate and Jacob combined together and we averaged it out with the guest score to get their t- total at this time. So with Lisa's new success, the guests and the co-host spot has 23.5 correct guesses to my 24 point, uh, 24.0 correct guesses. So with Lisa's success today, they are only 0.5 points away from catching me. <laughs> but I also had a head start. Um, so our MVPs and LVPs, you want to do that next, Lisa? Yes. So I believe we already have established <laughs> that Fred is getting both of our LVPs uh, because he was being a sleazeball. Mm, yep, 100% Fred, what on earth? It's never okay to howl at anyone. He literally howled at someone. No, Fred. So gross. So gross. Yeah. And Fred now has 25 LVPs. To his three MVPs that are probably all from me, I have to assume. Yeah, you're the Fred apologist uh, in the crew. Yeah, but today there was no reason to apologize for him because he was being creepy. Um, Lisa, do you have your MVP ready? Because I'm still trying to figure out who I want to give mine to, and I would love to hear your thoughts. I do have mine ready. Mm, uh, it was Shaggy. Oh, I love that. He was someone it's- I was highly considering. It's very rare that Velma isn't just the person I absolutely adore. But in this, he, him and Scooby, Scooby-Doo was just unbelievably cute in this as well. It reminded me of when I was a kid and I watched Scooby-Doo and I thought Scooby-Doo was just really cute. And that's something that um, happens sometimes, but I haven't seen it happen so much as, as I've seen it in this movie lately. Uh, yeah, so Shaggy was, he was doing really brave things for him. He was... Um, yeah, I just thought he he was nice to watch and he did some good things. Yeah, no, I was between Shaggy and Velma. Scooby was a contender, but not as high as the other two. And because you gave it to Shaggy, I'm going to give it to Velma. I was a little frustrated with how she uh, diminished her sister in this movie mm-hmm. and her interests, especially as uh, calling her nerdy. I was like, what? But at the end, when she was like, oh, Madeline loves this just as much as I love mysteries. I was like, okay. A sisterly bond kind of movie for them. Uh, Lisa, uh, I believe you were the, uh, involved with the Velma train when we had many Velma points in a row. Mm-hmm. Love yeah, Velma. that was probably you, so you involved in that. But uh, as our guest, do you have any bonus like of the people that we met only in this movie? Is there anyone you want to give a bonus MVP to? It's okay if you don't. Yeah, I'm just thinking. We got Crystal, we got Merlin, we got Marlin, yeah, we got I Madeline. Thought, um, 
Amos, I, Alma, and Mr. Curdles. I don't want to give them a bonus point, but Vernon the lion, I really liked his attitude. He wasn't Which taking one? any the lion. Oh, the lion? Okay. Yeah, he was called Vernon, and he wasn't taking any shit from anyone, and I liked that strength. But no, not a bonus point, just want to say. Perfect. Oh, wait, there's a different um, lion in Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase. Oh, wow. That's the one that they confused on Google Images with that one. But, okay, so Vernon the lion, I love it. Um, and then, oh, I minimized the wrong screen. Now, shall we get to our scores, which is where Lisa made her mark last time, <laughs> memorably giving Scooby-Doo and the Loch Ness Monster 0.25. And that is our lowest score to date. Navi tried to go bold and give something a one, but Lisa was like, hold my beer. So, Lisa, do you want to start or should I start? I'm I very happy have- to start. I'm very happy to start. I give um, this movie four scooby snacks love it yes and i'm kind of on the same wavelength i think the animation elevated it above like plot wise i think it was just a 3.5 but the animation elevated it a little bit as well as some of the humor some of the scooby stuff Mm. and i looked and i gave lacus monster a 3.75 as well Mm. so i don't Mm. know i think this one Mm. is better but Mm. we'll have to wait until season three for me to go through everything and revamp it because now they're all locked for a little bit but Aww. I definitely think, actually, you know what? I changed it on the Lindsay podcast because I don't think this is on the same level. I think this is better than Scooby-Doo and the Locks Monster for sure. <laughs> so I think I'm going to bump this down to 3.5. This one's a 3.75 because I can't see putting it What? On. 0.25 is what you're separating these two movies from? Yeah, I don't know if it was just a headspace thing. But I don't know. This was like this didn't crack the four tier, despite the fact that I don't have one thing in the four tier. No, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not saying this should be higher for you. I'm saying now that you've seen a movie like Scooby Doo, Abracadabra Doo, and all these other good movies, you must realize now how poor Scooby Doo and the Loch Ness Monster was, and how much you threatened our friendship by inviting me to watch it. <laughs> Not me threatening the friendship. Oh no. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm just like not a harsh critic. I should I should probably be harsher, but like some of the old, old ones are so bad that I think Loch Ness Monster is better than Night of the Living Do. And it's better than Scooby-Doo and the Cool School. And I don't know. You know what? I'm gonna sleep on it. Like Merlin should have slept on it. <laughs> Tomorrow yeah. before I upload this podcast, which is coming mm-hmm. out on a Tuesday, we're recording this Friday night or Saturday afternoon in Lisa's time zone. Down under. I I will sleep on it, and maybe I will update this in editing. Yep, look into your heart and see if you can really legitimately say that this movie is only one quarter of a point better than Scooby-Doo and the Lightning Monster. I will think about it for you, Lisa. For someone else, I wouldn't, but for you, yes. Thank you. Yes, and this is why you won Survivor. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> My powers of persuasion. Yes. Nah. Uh, Lisa, do you have any final thoughts on this movie, on uh, anything Scooby-Doo related? We're definitely going to have you back because you already asked to be on the Batman one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got that DVD on my shelf waiting to go. Don't need to go to Google Play for that one. Um, Not just that I love Scooby-Doo. I love celebrating things that people enjoy and bring them joy and that are light and fun and also have like a little bit of like a mystery spookiness so i really appreciate this podcast 
and the chance to talk about something light and, and I'm so glad you joined us. Uh, <laughs> there are two things that I have in my notes that I forgot to mention. Uh, Merlin is a great person and a great brother. Uh, he was very forgiving of what his brother did, and I think he was like a very encouraging. I think we should all be a little more like Merlin in society. And then also, Crystal's a queen, despite the fact that she didn't really do a lot. We just stand women of color, and I had to point her out as a queen because mm-hmm. uh, she did not deserve the eyes that Fred was giving her, and she could do a lot better than Fred Jones. And I said that on period. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa, mm-hmm. any we final thoughts after I added all that? <laughs> no, it just that um, yeah, I think Marlon certainly has something to learn from this. I think Merlin also has something to learn in regards to. Um, maybe like including other people, not yeah. being like a one-man show. I think he's a bit of a like glory hog. Um, you know, the way he he sort of like acknowledges Marlon, but really Marlon's doing a lot of the labor in that situation. So I hope, I, I get the feeling that that unit is going to come out of it more, a, a lot more stable. I, I'm excited for that. For these two characters, we'll probably never see again. But I'm excited for them and their brotherhood and how it's going to evolve positively. I think mm-hmm. it's a very good experience for them to mm-hmm. learn a little bit. But I do want to emphasize how amazing of a move that was from Marlin, Merlin to like help his brother out and give him a second chance when a lot of Scooby-Doo characters would have just been, arrest them. <laughs> like, So I do want to shout that out. Um, but Lisa, tell us everything you're up to these days. I know you have some things in the works that up to you if you want to promote, but otherwise tell people where they can keep up with you. Pretty much the only place I am is on Twitter. My Twitter's at Lisa Stanger, S-T-A-N-G-E-R, where I very periodically tweet about things that I'm interested in and Survivor. I am working on a podcast at the moment, but it's a very, I've just started on it. Yeah, Um, but it's a great concept and I'm so excited for it when it does come out. (laughs) Yeah, I've been collecting collecting people's stories and talking to some people. So actually, this is probably a good a good time to put out a shout out. So the um the idea of my podcast is you um think about something that scared you when you were a child that maybe you haven't revisited or definitely that you haven't revisited since. It could be something you definitely know, like you watched Child's Play and you were scared. But what I'm really interested in is a story where you're not actually sure what it is. So maybe you went to a sleepover with the friends, you watched a movie, you don't know exactly what it was, but you remember there was like a wolf in it and you were really scared and you've never watched it again. Um, That's the sort of thing I'm really interested in hearing about. So if you've got any examples of that, definitely DM me on Twitter and I will happily go away, research the thing, find out a little bit of information. And that's what I'm trying trying to collect these stories so we can yeah, sort of talk about what scared us when we were young, how we feel watching it again as adults, and what like lessons or sort of personal personal breadth there is. In there. And you're thinking about media, not like the concept of adulthood, which scared me as a nine year old and growing <laughs> up, right? No, yeah. specific specific media property. So it'll yes. prob. I mean, it could be it could be a book. Um, there is. I've got one example of an audio story that scared some people. But um, yeah, mostly it's going to be movies or TV shows. And so it's sort of like a combo of learning about the scary thing, but also um, me researching to try and find out. Because you might think, oh, how are you ever going to find this one scary movie about a wolf? But there's lots of interesting ways and research is really fascinating. So yeah. And, and, then, and, while, yeah. and while we're on the topic of horror, um, 
a, a podcast that I've just got it through doing this, through working on my own podcast, I've started listening to a podcast called The Faculty of Horror, which um, it's a very clever podcast. They examine a, a couple of sort of scary movies every episode and they talk about the, the sociological things around it, the cultural things at the time, how it fits into the horror genre as a whole. And I'm loving that. So if you do, if you like slightly spooky things, and you like horror movies and things like that, Faculty of Horror will be a podcast that I've just gotten into. I really love, and you might love it too. Well, that's perfect, because I was about to ask what's something that you want to promote that is like media, podcast, book, TV <laughs> show, and I was about to ask that, so you just plugged that. Uh, hey. I love it. Uh, check that out. Uh, over on the Brazilian Dragon feed, we're focusing right now mostly on High School Musical, the musical series. We have our own podcast feed for that, but it also drops in the main feed. It's called Podtack Jam and Break, and we're about halfway through season three of that show. And uh, we're frustrated with the writing, to be uh, transparent, but we're having fun talking about it. We really do love that show, just like we love Scooby-Doo, even the bad ones we love. Um, I think Lisa even has love for Scooby-Doo and the Loch Ness Monster, even though she didn't like the movie. She loves Scooby-Doo, so. Is that fair? Uh No, you hate that one. I, mm, no comment. I love, okay. love Scooby Doo. That is there. true. Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> uh, and also, uh, Autumn and I should be back wrapping up Total Drama Island uh, season one shortly. Uh, we're going to focus on doing that as well. Uh, Scooby Doo uh, Camp Scare is our next Scooby Doo on the Scoop Agenda. Uh, and I'm looking forward to having a guest that I've been wanting to get on the podcast for a minute talking about summer camp. Uh, that's a tease if anyone's an intuitive listener. Great. Uh, Lisa, I almost said the name of the guest. Uh, Lisa, I'll tell you after the show. Um, uh, then, um, what else? Oh, just follow us on social media at Brazil Dragon Pod on all social media. If you're interested, I'm at with the fleep on all social media, including TikTok and be real. But the main thing is Brazil Dragon Pod. And please, if you're listening to this, go find this podcast, Brazilian Dragon Podcast, on Apple Podcasts. In addition to the Scooby Snacks and Chats individual feed for podcasts, it would mean a lot to me if you gave us five stars, rating and review, tell a friend. And if you give the Scooby Snacks and Chats or Brazilian Dragon podcast five stars before the next Scooby-Doo podcast, I will read that one on air, your review. Um, With all that said, Lisa, do you have anything else to add? No, no, you have have covered everything. Oh, a pop culture plug from me. I'm trying to think. I forgot to get Lindy and Todd. Now I'm upset. Um, I will add that in post uh, for them. I will ask them. But Better Call Saul ended uh, by the time you listened to this a week ago. Uh, it's good. Check it out. Uh, I recently converted the aforementioned Daniel Strunk into watching that. I'm going to take all the credit despite the fact that he watched it before I said, you really need to watch Better Call Saul for the second time. I've told him that previously, but he finally is watching it. He finished season one, episode two earlier today. So I'm excited for him on this journey. Um and then otherwise, just have fun out there. Take care of yourselves. Uh, practice some close-up magic, some coin magic, some card magic. And remember, hashtag Zigamadoo. Until next time, everyone, keep on sleuthing. Bye. Bye. <laughs>